Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 244 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by Serena Jackson, a lawyer and landscape photographer living in Sydney, Australia. Serena is the co-founder of In Focus Women, a community and podcast created to celebrate and bring together female landscape photographers from all over the world. Over on Patreon this week, Serena and I talk about her journey into drone photography and how it has transformed her approach to landscape. Thanks to our newest patron, Nick Becker, for pledging to support the podcast on an annual basis and for your great back and forth over on Twitter over the past year. I also want to thank Craig McCord for bumping up his pledge. You are both appreciated. Before we get to the show, I want to tell you about a new app I'm trying out called Wisdom. Wisdom is a new audio-only social media app which is designed for mentors to provide information to would-be mentees. I wanted to personally invite you to my very first Wisdom Talk on Tuesday, January 4th at 6pm Mountain Time. Joining in is simple. Just download the Wisdom app, just look for a link in the show notes, Follow my username, which is Matt Payne Photo, and then join me on January 4th. I'll be talking all about printing and monetizing your photography, and you can ask me any questions that you might have. I hope to see you there. Again, that's Tuesday, January 4th at 6 p.m. Mountain on the Wisdom app. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Serena Jackson, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to finally put a name with a face, face with a name, also with the voice because I've been listening a little bit to your podcast as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's a bit of fun, um, but uh, we're we're pretty new. We're certainly not as seasoned as you are, so I might learn a few things today. But uh, yeah, we've been having a bit of fun. When uh, lockdown started, we we thought we'd. Um, uh, try something different instead of meeting up with people. We thought we'd talk to people, uh, and it's been a great opportunity of talking to people all over the world, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, but we've learnt so much, and um, now I feel like I've got friends everywhere. So it's just fantastic, and I've got invites to shoot everywhere as well, which is even better. It is kind of cool. Yeah, it is nice. I I um I did a trip out to the California redwoods this past summer, and I think every place I stopped at there was somebody there that like wanted to hang out or shoot with me so it was nice (laughs) it is um you get caught in a bubble I find um we get caught in a bubble I mean I live in Sydney so um for those who don't know me which is probably fair fair call I live in Sydney in Australia and I live on the the coast there in a a suburb called Randwick which is near the beaches Bondi for anyone that does know Sydney uh, and I find that we do live in a bubble. We we get stuck in a rut or particularly in the last couple of years with the, the thing we don't want to talk about. Um, but so the the podcast and also In Focus Women and, and all that sort of stuff, it's just sort of completely opened up my world to other people and getting out of that bubble, which has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Do you, do you call your, consider yourself an introvert? No. Well, yes and no. Anyone that, if you ask anyone that knows me, um, they are absolutely (laughs) going to say no. But if I walk into a room that I don't know, I'll rather go and hide against a wall. And gotcha. Gotcha. I'm in a room full of people that know me, I would be the loudest person in the room. 
Um, so it's situational. Very much so. But I do absolutely love getting out on my own um, to shoot, which is part of the, the process for me, um, and that is just that quiet um, time where we're on our own. And it's how we get those bubbles. <laughs> absolutely. The big bubbles yeah. and the little bubbles. Right, right. Well, you've already talked about uh, living in uh, Sydney, Australia. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, what do you do? Um, do you do, you know, are you a photographer full-time? All that kind of fun stuff. No, I wish I was. I'm actually a lawyer by trade, um, which is really boring. Um, and it takes up most of my time. Luckily, I get to travel a bit for that. So, uh, and I, when I do travel for work, I'm normally on my own. So, I get to indulge in my uh, passion, um, which takes up, apart from being a mum to two teenage girls, um, I am, yeah, I, I spend quite a lot of my part-time photography um which i wish was a lot more but sadly it's not and uh how long have you been making images um like most of your guests i I think i've always had a camera in my hand i did it i learned black and white photography at school uh none of which was landscape it was more sort of people and i had a fascination with shooting people's eyes um which is pretty random uh and and walking (laughs) around the streets and and when we traveled I'd I'd sort of take photos and then I had kids and spent a lot of time taking photos bad photos of kids because I think people ruin photos then I (laughs) then I got a drone so I spent a lot of time doing drone photography which is mostly landscape because you don't have much else to take and then I went down to I don't know whether you have you been to Australia I no. No, no. There you go. No, I've um you don't like travel to, that much, so I yeah, I, I need to do more, but you know, it's well you, I don't want to make you jealous, but the United States has a lot. I know, I know, it, so. I, I know, I know. Um <laughs> you know, it's hard to it's hard to justify leaving, you know. So I went down to this uh town called Tarthra, which is on the Sapphire Coast on the the, the bottom of New South Wales. Um and I went and stayed with another photographer who I'd recommend to you later, David Rogers. And in that, he uh, he sort of put a camera in my hand and said, "Let's." He went out droning, and then I fell in love with with handheld photography. Um, so I do a mixture of handheld and uh, drone, and that's probably been now for two, coming on three years. Um, so still fairly new, okay. still learning, still don't know how to use um, Photoshop very well, but um, love it and. It's absolutely a part of my life to the point I just recently got a tattoo of a camera on my arm, which is even more bizarre. Oh, look at you! I've got a, I've got a full sleeve of two of my photographs on my left arm. So. Oh, awesome! That's wicked. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big fan of tattoos. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to wear sleeves so my mother doesn't see it. But yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it. 46 and still scared of my mum. <laughs> hey, well, you know, you can, we can work on that. You know, yeah. we can spend some extra time after it. We'll do a little bit of counseling maybe. We'll, we'll get we'll get you through it. Therapy. I, I find beer and whiskey gets and gin gets me through that, so that's all right. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Liquid therapy. Very much. <laughs> after hours. All right. Well, I want to just dive, you know, right into the heart of our conversation you know, you're the co-host of the In Focus Women podcast, which, by the way, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Can you tell us about the origins of the podcast and what your goals are for it? Yeah, well, so 
Um, maybe uh, the pug, I'll, I'll turn that around and, and probably start with the where the In Focus Women started and then, then where the podcast sort of has attached itself to that. So just Deb okay, Miller, who's the, uh, another a female photographer and I, uh, two years ago um, this month started a what we thought was going to be a little local um, photography group in Sydney for women to get together and shoot. Um and that ended up, we, so we started an Instagram page and, and we, we sort of did a little website and we, we, we arranged a few meetups and then suddenly that is now worldwide. We've got, you know, thousands of members and we get hundreds of photos posted every day. I think the last count we had 43,000 um, tagged photos, which is pretty good for a little, wow. little group. Um, yeah. And we do um, online Zoom meets and we do... Um, uh, we done, we've done a few courses, uh, drone, basic flying drone and, and a few basic um, workshops on um, Lightroom and photography, so that sort of thing. And we've been, we arranged uh, for an exhibition this year, which unfortunately we went into um, lockdown for, again, that thing. Um, oh, I know. I yeah, saw that. Yeah. And um and so we thought we had all this time on our hands because the lockdowns that we had meant that we actually couldn't leave our house. So we were we were in that for months and months. And so we started a podcast, um, and it's fairly new, but we've we've had some incredible support from some incredible photographers um, around the world. So uh, and the, the 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 women that we've we've interviewed have just been inspirational and um, taught us a lot. So the, the podcast is really, um, it's for everyone. I've had a whole lot of men, um, we're, not, we're not men bashers, so we don't say that, but what we wanted to do is create an environment to celebrate and um, support and promote female photographers. Um, we like to be called photographers, not female photographers, but we've found that um, through our, our life of being in Focus Women that a lot of women um, feel scared or intimidated or just um, nervous about attending groups with with big with big male um, sort of populations or going to certain places or classes or gear and I mean even just gear gear is designed for men right um, you go you go hold a 5d with a 600 mil on it and you do that for a while I mean it's it's heavy and backpacks are heavy and and every I mean I I think it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. So you imagine, I mean, I'm five foot three, I'm slightly built like an oompa loompa, but I'm still five foot three and I struggle with getting backpacks to fit and just all that kind of stuff. So I, I shoot with a Sony because it's small because I've got a, um, a, a small hand, but, you know, there's a lot of questions around that kind of thing. There you go. Um, there's a lot of questions around that that we feel. So, and also just the safety aspect of it. So, the aim for the the podcast was really to celebrate amazing female photographers with a story and and their I mean what you do really but um, have it, have that we can all do it this is the success this is what the aim is and we're also really trying to um, put a conservation side on it as well so recently we've been mm -hmm. talking to a lot more people around um i'm a member of nature first which i know you started but um um what our obligations are as photographers and what we should be doing to make sure that we are leaving something behind and i think 
that's really important. Um, and also the mental aspect of it. We've had so many people talk about um, anxiety or their the, the use of photography for meditation or it's their daily self-leveling, it's their time for themselves. It's that, you know, some people do yoga, some people do Pilates, some people drive fast cars, you know, all those sorts of things. But it's, and it's just that bringing back to self um, about what we do and the stories that we're trying to tell and convey. And I think that's really the emphasis on it. It's a long answer, isn't it, for a simple question? It is. And and what's funny is like in answering that question, you answered like seven of my other questions, but I'm I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll cover them out more. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. Um, No, I actually um, started listening to your podcast about a week ago now. I I have a little area near my house that I like to walk to and then do a bunch of hiking in. And so it's perfect for just downloading a couple podcasts and listening while I hike through the forest. It's pretty cool. And um, I feel like you guys are doing a great job in terms of, you know, keeping your focus on women, no pun intended, but, but doing it in a way that isn't super, you know, obvious and in your face. I mean, you do, you do drop some jokes around like, well, you know, women are better. They could never have, babies and all that funny stuff. I actually laughed when I heard you guys say stuff like that. I thought it was really funny, but um, I I like the, um, I I feel like, I feel like what you guys are doing is kind of something I've been trying to do is like, instead of just getting frustrated and upset and outspoken about something, you're like, well, let's just do something about it. You know, let's, let's create a community. Let's start a, let's start a podcast. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, be on the uh, positive side of this instead of just complain. So I think that's a great approach. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's just the visibility of it as well. Um, we, we, we see so much in the media and um, just in general um, about men. Like, I mean, take sport, for example. I mean, you know, think about what an American sport, American basketball. We're going to think about what American male basketballers get paid as opposed to male, uh, female basketballers. So there's just a constant um, unlevel playing field for, for, for and again, it's, it's not a, a, I'm not trying to drive equality from a singing from the, the rooftops and, you know, um, sure. feminist, but it's just that it's, it's the visibility, it's the optics of it. Right. So I've got two daughters yeah. and, and they go and look at sport and, and we're pretty good in Australia at the moment of some of our national sporting teams are actually doing way better than our male sporting teams, which is fantastic. <laughs> so there's a yeah. lot of visibility in that, but on a general sense, um, there is still so far to go. And so I just felt like, um, you know, m- one of my daughters did ask me once because one comes out with me occasionally to shoot, but only if it's a sunset because there's no way I'm getting one of my kids up at 3 or 4 a.m., right? So right. Um, and and we turned up and she's like, why, why aren't there any women here, mum? You know, and she pointed that out and that was before we started this. So it's just it's there. So we feel like by the mm-hmm. celebrating and the promoting of amazing female photographers, even though they're still just photographers, we feel like we're putting those optics out there and mm-hmm. providing that space, which I, again, I, it's there's so, so much of a need for it. What I've, what I've found interesting in listening to your podcast is that it, it's, you're getting similar answers to what I've gotten over the years from women where some people 
are very vocal and outspoken and want to talk about their experiences and other people maybe aren't comfortable with talking about that, what that's how that, what that impact looks like to them as a photographer or what their experience is like. And it's been interesting to listen to your show to kind of see that happening for a lot of your guests as well, because, you know, one of the constant debates that I've had um, with some women over the years on the podcast or through emails or whatever is kind of like the whole chicken and the egg paradox of women in landscape photography. Cause I mean, you just said you went to that beach, there's no women there. And that's kind of been my experience as well for, for a lot of the locations that I like to photograph. You know, there kind of seems to be this consistent backlash that women are underrepresented or, or they're underappreciated in the genre. You know, they're not featured in by brands or in magazines or whatever. But then also there seems to be this uh, conflicting idea that, and maybe it's just fact, I don't know, but that there's just less women <laughs> in the space and yeah, I, and the small representation, you know, might just be an accurate representation of the overall women in photography per capita. So I'm just curious, kind of where do you, what, I can't, how do you think about that well, particular I, I challenge? Well, I went and spoke to, to, to think about that. I actually went and spoke to one of the largest camera stores in Sydney uh, and I said, do more men buy cameras than women? And he said, you know, 15, 20 years ago, absolutely. There would be 10 to 1, if not more, 15 to 1. And mm-hmm. uh, he said, but nowadays it would be fairly even. Now, whether that means that those, because that's just cameras, so that's not landscape photography, that's just cameras. So whether that right. means that there's more women going into portraiture and, and, and weddings and babies and food and, you know, art, that kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to in landscape, I don't know that because I feel like there's definitely more male landscape photographers than female photographers. But mm-hmm. camera sales at the moment in Sydney, so my my pool of uh, data is not significantly huge, but um, they're a large store, so they say it would be it would be it would be it would be even now, which I think is great because that means that there's a more people, women making the decision to purchase camera gear, which means they've also got the money to to do that because I think that probably fifteen to twenty years ago it was slightly a different um, demographic in regards to that. Um, they probably yeah. had to get permission from their husband to buy the camera. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and nowadays it's the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you want what? No, I'm buying a camera. No. <laughs> so, um, um, so yeah, I think that's a really interesting um, process in that. But I would love to – I think there's a thesis in this, by the way, for anybody that wants to look at some sort of – um, is the the way that photography is developed through the the sexes, um, and see where where people end up. So if you buy a camera, what are you using it for? And I wasn't talking mm-hmm. about point and shoot cameras. I was talking about proper DSLRs or mirrorless. Um, so good good systems. So a proper a proper setup. And sure. I think that would be fascinating about finding out where they end up because I wouldn't know. Yeah, it's interesting. So we just did our. The Natural Landscape Photography Awards. Yeah. And we had about, I can't remember the exact number, but let's say 1,300 photographers. Great. What a great submit. outcome for your first time. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I think out of that 1,300, about 15% were women. Wow. Um, so it wasn't like we were intentionally excluding women from the results. There were just fewer images from women that were submitted maybe that's about the number of 
female landscape photographers out there. Maybe that is representative. I don't know. I, I mean, that's a pretty. That's a pretty nice sample size. It is thirteen hundred is a good sample size, and fifteen percent is not a great number, is it? Yeah. Well, um, so I don't know if it's because uh, then I, I remember during judging there was we had a little bit of a debate about it. Like, is it you know is it because women don't feel comfortable competing against men in a competition because that's hmm. you know like gender 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 stereotypes and all of that kind of thing or is it more just there's just fewer women taking landscape photos and therefore if you have um, 1300 people entering a competition there's just going to be less of them I don't, I don't know and then it's like i said it's kind of a chicken the egg right because if yeah. women and which is why i think this is kind of the genius of your podcast and what you guys are doing if women have more and more other women to look up to um, that they can like, you know, like when your seven year old kid daughter or whatever is looks at Instagram and there's like all these women that are doing amazing things with their camera in the landscape, there's going to be more little girls saying, I want to take pictures like her. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, so, I, so that's why I say it's a chicken and the egg because it's like, <laughs> And it is, uh, it is, yeah. but that's, I mean, that's our hope. Our hope is that just, again, the, the optics of, of um, the celebration of women means that more people celebrate and follow and be led and learn and be inspired by it, um, which we hear, we hear. And, and you know, it's funny because you, you, we, feature, um, we feature two photographers on our Instagram page a, a day if, if, I, if I sometimes wow. forget when it's late at night. But so there's every morning and every night there's a – and I can't tell you how many times we've had a message back going, oh, my God, I didn't realise I was this good or thank you for, for featuring me or you've made my week or I was having a really crappy day and now I'm now it's just brilliant or I, I just, you know, amongst these people, this is – but these, they're all really, really good and, and so it's just that whole experience for um, – for these women to just be featured is incredible. And that's just such a small thing, you know, like, and that changes their opinion of their abilities and their their skills and where they want to go and hopefully inspires them to do more. Likewise, we just did a book. Um, so we did a book for the, the gallery exhibition um, and, uh, unfo again, unfortunately, that, that's going to take place next year. But um, so we did a book and everyone, when they got the book, they were just sending messages saying, oh, seeing your work in a book with all these other amazing women and these amazing photographers, it's just so inspiring. And, and just it's those things that really change people's, um, not their lives, but their ph photography journey and their photography life. And if their photography journey and their photography life is happy and sound and, and thriving, then I find that normally everything else flows better for their lives as well. I'm curious, I've heard some other women point out that there's kind of like a like an old old boy club, you know, like there's a there's groups of men that go out together to take pictures and there's kind of this machismo thing and women aren't ever invited to go with them and things like that. Has that been something that you've experienced or heard other people talk about? Absolutely. So you see people talk about, oh, I met up with this person or did that person and there's groups around that are literally exactly that. They're boys clubs. Um, there's a couple of groups that go out and they've got women that go in them and they're fantastic. Um, but generally wherever I've gone, um, that they've been that. Um, I'll go up and say hello if I know anyone there and, and you know, that sort of thing. But it's definitely been that way. 
Um, but we're hoping to create mm-hmm. the opposite. We're hoping to create an old girls club, you know. I, I, like I don't that. know how I put a deep voice on for that. No, we're trying to create an old girls club. <laughs> hey, but it worked. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting. Like um, every fall, well, almost every fall, I do like a big trip with a bunch of my guy friends. And it's almost like the only time of year we get to hang out together um, as photographers. And, you know, we have one couple of people come come over from Denver. We've got another guy that comes out from San Diego. But there's never been women involved, um, although we do have several women that I'm sure would love it. Um, I've just. Is it the logi- so these are the questions that I've always wondered. Is it the logistics? Yeah. Of it? Okay. So whose room does she share? Or. If she comes, does that yeah. mean that your wives are all going to go, hold on a second, whose room is she sharing? Or is it everyone uh-huh. feels like they can't, you know, say, oh, look at that person. Aren't they good looking? Or, you know, all the things that boys trips talk about. Is it because you feel like you have to be on better behavior? Like what's the mentality behind that, Matt? That's a good point. I can only speak for my small group of friends. I definitely think there would be some women that would be offended by some of the campfire conversations we have. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it's like, you know, it's, it's not like purposely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's not, um, purposely downgrading of anybody, but it's sometimes not politically correct. That probably might be, or it just might just be crude, you know, like us talking about farts and, yeah, you know, like just stupid things we've done to each other over the years, you know. But then there's also not every time, but a lot of times I've had conversations with some of my women photography friends. I'm like, yeah, we we sleep like in our rooftop tents and our trucks, and like it gets really cold at night, and you know, like you know, there's no hotel rooms. Like we're you know, it's cold. A lot of people are like, that sounds horrible. You know, I don't want to do that. Um, I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know. There's plenty of women I know that that, that would love doing that and do do that. So um, yeah, no, for sure. I know plenty of them too. It's just. Um, but I hear I that. Know, I like get that, it. I get it. That weeds a few people out, right? Definitely. Like, but I don't. I, I know a few boys that would not be wanting to do that either. So oh, I think there's absolutely yeah, there's, there's some equality in that regard for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's not meant to be a you know. Only dudes like sleeping in the cold kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, just, no, I get that. But I think some people would be put off by that type of an, an experience. Um, but it is an interesting. Um, it's an it's an interesting discussion around you know that the old boys club to the to the not. I mean, I, I sort of we recently had a bit of trolling um, online hmm. for for us, um, which I, I genuinely feel like if we were two big burly blokes, no one would have thought twice about taking right. us on. But most of the comments that came back and most of the messages that came back to us were support from all the males in this space. And they would, they jumped on to really say, are you guys okay? You know, um, this is not fair. This is this is wrong. They shouldn't be doing this. You know, that sort of thing. And so the support that was really evident from the boys' club, um, not that they're part of the boys' club, but that that's out there was was really um, interesting and really. Um, it was actually really special because I was not expecting that at all. Um, and so there seem, and we get quite a lot of comments and feedback from 
men saying thank you so much for doing this because you know or my wife's apart or my daughter is apart or um this mm-hmm. is so they're really thankful for it as well that whether that means we've taken them off their hands or not so now they've got another way to go shoot i don't know but um that's a whole nother thought thought topic or thought bubble but um we do get a lot of support and that's really um really really heartwarming yeah it's um it's interesting because it's not like I've never had any women ask me or my friends, like, can I go with you guys either? Like, Matt, and maybe next time there's... I'm in America, can I come with you? Of course. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> I yeah. don't mind sleeping um, in a rooftop tent in zero degrees. And, and, you, like, and you like beer. So I like beer and I can quite cope with a fart conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the dynamic is, though. You know, it's... Um, you brought up a good point with the spouses and uncomfortableness of that. You know, I can only speak for my, my wife. She would, she doesn't care. She's like, she's like, no one wants to be with you anyway, other than me. So it's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Can they finally take you off my hands? Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is interesting though. I feel like there's, what are some other challenges that, that you see women face that perhaps men aren't aware of or that men might take for granted? Oh, look, I heard that you hear things all the time, but I I think um, the one that sticks out the most for me is um, we've got this big bridge in Sydney called the Sydney Harbour Bridge. You've probably seen photos of it. Um, Sure. And people go photograph there all the time. So morning, dusk, there's photographers there all the time. And a, a lady came, was talking to us about one night she was there uh, it was it was a sunrise, so you know you get up there early, and a group of men just came over and opened up her camera bag and pulled out her cameras, just looking at her lenses and wanting to know what she used and all that sort of stuff. And I mean that to me, although they might have been not harming her in any way, but what gives them a right to just open up your camera bag and just pull out? Oh, you've got a nice big camera for a girl, and you know all that sort of stuff. I mean that to me is just absolutely appalling. Um, but so that you they would never do that to a guy. Can you imagine them walking up to you and opening up your camera bag and pulling your camera out and your lenses and passing them around and sort of saying, Oh, have a have a listen, look at this. She's got a nice camera, don't you? Don't you? I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Um right. you, just, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even hear about it. Um so it's things like that. It's it's also um I mean the, the 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 boys' groups when you when you go up, if you if I if I turn up to a place, there'll be a group of you know, often the people are spread out, but there'll be men talking or getting on. And if there's another lady there, she'll be on her side over somewhere on her own, traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's just that safety aspect. We go to quiet, off the beaten tracks, places by ourselves mm-hmm. at really ungodly hours. Um, I tell this story, there's a, there's a beach down here, a rock pool down here. Um, it's in the city. And I went down there, it was, a, it was five o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I looked around and I was definitely thought that I was on my own and then suddenly I'm just getting this waft of cigarette smoke and I'm like hmm. okay I'm not alone and what happens what do I do you know I suddenly felt really scared right. about my safety and I mean they were just people on their way home um watching there to watch the sunrise and they still had beverages and cigarette in hand so they were harmless but it was that you know sort of 10 second moment where I went I'm scared they there's someone here that I thought wasn't here and so it's it's that um and I guess there's also a level of um 
and I don't want to sound uh, derogatory to women, but men traditionally are stronger. So if we, I mean, I go to rock shelves with waves and all that sort of stuff. What if I do get into trouble? Who's, you know, I'm not as strong and that kind of thing. So there's just all those physical things which are different um, mm-hmm. for men and yeah. women in going because you probably rock up to places and have no fear about what's there or who's there or that kind of thing. But we've grown up to be wary of everything we do and everywhere we go right. as women. Culture, culturally ingrained. Yeah. So with reason, yeah. I mean, statistically, sure. you are more likely <laughs> to get attacked as a woman than a man. Um so I think that, and most of the women that we speak to, like they they want to go astro shooting, for example, and but they don't want to go alone, uh, and and so you get you hear that a lot, which is sad. I mean, it's a sad indictment on society, but it is society. So we just have to work with what we've got, right? Um, yeah. Although to be fair, I I have my own kind of qualms for going out and shooting by myself in certain situations as well. It's I've had a number of really strange uh, run-ins with people over the years that, you know, every time I'm by myself and I see other people, especially if I'm not expecting to see other people, I get I get really nervous mm. about it too. So I can totally appreciate that. I mean, think about how much money is 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 in your in your bag. Totally. Right? You carry, I mean, if you're carrying around a camera or two cameras and a couple of lenders and a drone and I mean, you're sitting there with a a fair chunk of money and, and traveling, um, particularly traveling mm-hmm. in, in other, com- I mean, other countries apart from Australia. Um, I spend a bit of time up in Asia and I, and so, um, you know, I have a big camera bag and there's usually a tripod hanging off it or whatever. So you stand out and you, and you sort of go, okay, am I vulnerable? Am I not? Um, and I'm normally on my own. So those things do come to mind. Um, well, and to make it worse, if something did happen to you, people would be like, well, you were just being really careless. And if something happened to me, they'd be like, oh, that's just bad luck. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then you, then you. So there's already you, like a judgment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, I mean, we don't even want to talk about all the things that, you know, a crime's committed. Oh, well, you deserved it because you're wearing a short skirt as opposed to not. I mean, that that's the whole, I mean, that's where we're starting from. So the base level is really low. Um, so any step right. where you can get higher than that is great. Um, but even just, um, you talk to, I mean, and, and look, strangely enough, quite a lot of the women that we have interviewed on the podcast have said that they don't necessarily feel like there has been a difference, but they've felt like they've had to work a lot harder to have what they have, have the success that they've had. Um, which is interesting because we have to, you know, if we have to work twice as hard to get just as much, then that's a that's not right either. Um, but you take you take for example, which this was this year the the um, the ambassadors for Canon in the Philippines. So they announced oh, twenty yeah, ambassadors, I this. and there was not one woman. And that was approved by Canon Japan. So that was put put to Canon Philippines. Admittedly, this was in you know, so it's in a, a country where there wouldn't actually, I imagine, be a lot of female landscape photographers. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually went to try and find some to promote and found it very difficult. So I'm still, I go to the Philippines a lot for work. So one of my goals is to actually find and mentor and do some work up there because I think that would be amazing. But 
Um, but not only did it go to the Philippines level, but it went to Canon worldwide and and not Canon Japan. So the head office approved it. And it's just like, the how did that even happen in 2021? I don't know. Well, and it happened in, with Nikon in like 20... Yes. I think it was like 2016, 2017 yes. when they were promoting the D850. Yeah. This, they did the exactly same thing. And and you just sit there going, okay, who's reading the room completely wrong? Because that's just like that room is it's clearly a room full of men. But you just get – you just get, it blows me away that that even happened. But then a whole yeah. lot of stories that came out after that um, from – women around the world and I'm slowly starting to plot them to talk to over the next um, period of time um, um, is how they've been not promoted or they've not got a job or they've turned up to an award ceremony and they've been bagged or they've, you know, that there's, so there is a whole lot of stories out there of women who just have not succeeded or not been taken seriously or not been given ambassadorships or et cetera, et cetera, because they're women, not because Mm. of anything else. Um, and I, I would be curious to know if, 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 if you could take away names and, uh, faces and all that sort of stuff, if people just picked anything to do with landscape photography based on work, what the numbers would actually end up at for Mm -hmm. ambassador roles, for, you know, um, trips, for workshops, for, um, awards, for anything, for, um, that you have it like, um, you were talking to someone recently uh, about where you get a role in a national park. Mm-hmm. So that sort of stuff doesn't happen here. So that must be a, a real oh, like an artist in residence, artist in residence in so yeah, that sort of thing. Um, that's not so big over here. There might be a couple of ones around, but they're not sort of. It's not a, a big thing. But you know, th- looking if that was all just done on work base and not anything else, what the numbers would be like. Right. Be fascinating. Well, you bring up an interesting sidebar because what I've, I mean, I was just having this conversation today with another photographer. It was actually David Thompson. And we were talking about kind of like, <laughs> and it wasn't. I did a session it wasn't with David based, Thompson a couple of weeks ago. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It wasn't about, it wasn't about gender. It was more just a, kind of what you were saying, like the work, if you were to take away everything else, is the person's work and, you know, the, the breadth and scope and quality of their work, does it stand on its own? Um, and is it like, are they a, can, like, can you say that that's, they're a great photographer because of that? And it really, what I've noticed over the years is that, unfortunately, it's just the reality of things, is that when it comes to these brands, they're focused in on other things that matter to them that doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with how good your photography is, right? They're looking at who's their target audience or who's their target audience that they're trying to sell more to, right? So they've already got this ideal customer avatar in mind. It's probably like a 65-year-old retired uh, doctor guy, right? Um, And so then they have that in mind. And they're like, okay, so how do we reach that person? So we need someone who has a huge social media reach number like oh they have 70,000 fans on Instagram and they don't even care about engagement they just want to see that that person has huge numbers which i think is a huge mistake yeah absolutely um and then it's like who would who would appeal to that particular um customer avatar is it is it going to be 
Um, this kind of uh, built from scratch, um, self-taught African-American male? Or is it going to be this kind of um, world traveling um, expert type that um, is inspiring to them, right? And so it's, I think if you put yourself in the shoes of the brands, it kind of helps to answer like the why, like how this keeps happening. Because it, I got to tell you, it is very frustrating sometimes for a lot of people in this space and not just women, but, you know, people that are very hardworking, very talented, but maybe not as savvy with marketing um, or with, you know, social media or whatever. And those, those are the people that typically get kind of looked over when it comes to speaking engagements, when it comes to workshops, when it comes to being invited to partner with them in a business, whatever. And so it is, it, it does leave you asking why a lot. And I'm sure for women, it's probably even more so because you see so few examples of it happening, right? And one thing I know for absolute certain, having liked and commented on nearly 45,000 photos. <laughs> right? and, and it's like takes up at least an hour of my day now, which I'm starting to wonder, do I need to keep doing this? But I do. Um, yeah. Is that, boy, there's some really, really amazing female talent out there. And if you did, yeah. if you could just fill a room and there's no name tags and there's no nothing, there's nothing about it, I, yep. people would just be blown away by some of the talent. Yep. Incredible. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's amazing to me, too, when you see, regardless of gender, you have people who have just fan, fantastic, phenomenal body of work that spans lots of time. Like, it's very consistently good. Mm. And they're a somewhat known entity, but they get passed over for someone who has other, I don't know, other qualities that they're looking for, like a huge following or whatever. It's, it's very strange to me. I look at some people and I go, oh, wow, how did I not know this person? As, you know, they tag a photo and, and I'll, I'll look, this, right. this work is just incredible. I mean, they've, these must have been out for ages. I look at them, they've got like 300 followers and I just go, wow, they right. should have 300,000 followers with the quality of their work. And you just sit there going, wow. And then you look at some um, people that tag and they've got, you know, 50, 60, 70,000, you just go, how did you get that many? I'm, <laughs> I it's hard. That. I know. <laughs> I know. I have the same reaction all the time when I'm like, I'll be like, I did an Instagram story a couple days ago where I asked people to just send me accounts that are kind of like under the radar that nobody yeah. knows about that are really amazing. And of course, I got all these really awesome suggestions and I'm looking through them like, oh my gosh, how do these people not have a huge following? It's just, it's mind-blowing. It me, is. It, it, it blows me away. And, again, every day I just see – and, I, you know, you see people – and, look, I, I've told this story a couple of times, I think, but it's, it's a really amazing story. So when we first started out, there was a lady who posted photos and she posted them on her phone and da-da-da-da-da. And through the process of the last two years, she is now – she's got she's got a camera and you can just see this progression of incredible – um, change from the very first photos to what she's doing now and you just go and I message her regularly and I sort of say you know what keep going it's what you're doing is incredible and and this is just yeah. amazing and um and and just seeing that progression um is is amazing and then you look at people and you just go how yeah it just blows my mind that there's just people that anyway 
And I'm sure people well, look at my photos and go, oh, they're terrible. What are you doing? What are you posting those for? So, you know, same everything. But when you, you, can, see, you can see when there's someone that's just got such an amazing eye and an ability. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, I want to stay in this this theme um, of women in, in photography. And one of the ideas I wanted to discuss was kind of another contradiction, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Or maybe it's a kind of a catch-22, so to speak. So, you know, I've gotten into lots of conversations over the years about women in landscape photography. And one of the main takeaways that I've received is that most women just want to be known as landscape photographers. They don't want to be called women landscape photographers, right? And I totally get that. I totally agree. I understand why people would think that. And it's like an interesting paradox because if if you're not standing out in some way, then you're not going to be noticed. And, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation today if it wasn't for that problem. So I'm curious, kind of, what is your take on on that particular dilemma? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the women that were spoken to on the podcast is we often ask a question around um, that, and the answer is mostly, "Well, I'm a landscape photographer. I'm not a female landscape right. photographer." Right. Um, right. But then, when you talk to other people, it's like, "Well, actually, I want to be a female photographer because I am." Um, so it is really that it is um, um, a complete at odds sort of frame because right, right. You, you do have to be known for something. If you, you you can't, I mean, how many landscape photographers are there and how many people take really good photos is just what we were talking about. Um, so if you can celebrate, which is what we try to do, um, is celebrate you being a female photographer, then we are putting you into a uh, a. F- photographer basket but a different basket over here where you kind of stand out a little and mm-hmm. and and instead of said of I and mean, when we've talk, told a whole spoken about a whole lot of stuff that's wrong with being a female photographer or a female <laughs> right. but we want to celebrate what's good about that and and therefore how we think that we take better photos because we see things better um or we emotionally better i don't know all that sort of stuff but generally um I think that we we there's a reason to celebrate that. So let's celebrate it rather than not. So yeah, I mean, I'm a landscape photographer. I'm a female landscape photographer. Um, I'm both, but I'm quite happy being both, depending mm-hmm. on where we're at. And I can play both, but um, I think the, the the purposes of celebrating it helps us put people more in front of other people. No, I, I agree. It's um, it's challenging though because I think you could make a somewhat cogent argument that by perpetuating the the um, the label of female landscape photographer, that that's what you're going to be seen as, right? And and I and and I, and, I, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I think it um, it's true. <laughs> it is true, and it would be great that um, we one day were just uh, a, a group of photographers that hung out and did stuff and spoke. But I think there is all, I mean, women and men are definitely different in the way they do things. Um, and ultimately we have both got the same amount of talent. I just said that we take better photos. But in truth, we all have the same amount of talent. But we do approach things differently and I think that us 
um, uh, using that to our advantage is not a bad thing. But if we get to the point where in every company and everywhere we go, it's equal, 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 then we can have a different conversation. But I'm not going yeah, okay to celebrate. It's okay to celebrate what makes you different, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Obviously, I'm painting with a pretty big paintbrush, but some of my favorite nature and landscape photographers are women because they see the world um, and edit their photos in a much different way than I do. And and, it, and, and it's a, in a way that I personally am not sure I could do. You know, it's, um, I've, I've, I remember having a conversation with Sarah Marino. We were backpacking together and I was like, I was talking to my friend about your images and we were trying to figure out how you edit them. And she was like, what do you mean? I don't hardly edit at all. And we were like, how do you do it? And, you know, so it's, it's just, it's just funny because um, there is some truth to say that, you know, some women do see the, see nature in a different way. I think women are better storytellers. Ooh. Is that, is that controversial? If it is, we should definitely keep going. <laughs> I urge you and I urge your listeners to just go and pick 10, go Google the top 10 male landscape photographers and then go Google the top 10 female landscape photographers around the world. So just, just Google. And let's just do a comparison between the story, not the documentary or the, or the, the, the documentation behind the photo. So, okay, mm-hmm. there's a great sea stack or there's a great mountain but the way the story unfolds in the photo and whether that's done through the editing or done through the actual composition I think that I've come to believe that women tell a better story through a photo Uh, I could buy that you're gonna go look aren't you you're gonna go do that you're gonna email me going you know what you're right (laughs) well I was just you know uh, back of the napkin thinking about you know the women that I admire in the space I think I think there's definitely some validity to what you're saying. And I was funny. I was talking. Uh, we recently interviewed Victoria Hack. So um, and, yeah, I listened to that one. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it was funny because I always saw her work as um, like a composition, like a statue, like a um, um, a, cre- a creation. And she used to be a um, an artist who used to. Um, um, I've lost for words for a second, but. Um, she was a sculptor. Sculptor, that's the right word, sculptor. And so I and and she used to be a sculptor. And and I said to her, I can see that in your pictures. And she sort of went, Can you? And then I and and we had a bit of a discussion around that. And and I still see it. And I urge if you haven't looked at Victoria's work, then um uh go and have a look because you she, there there is a story in every piece and it's like a sculpture. And whether it's right. the use of a human or whether it's the use of nature, you can see where her history has come back through and just dominates in a way that not even she was aware of, um, which is yeah. really quite amazing and that blew me away. But um, there's things like that where I just think we've got that ability of telling a story through our work better. I'm not saying all men can't do that because there are certainly some incredible um, storytellers through through photography that are male but as a general rule i think we do there's the controversial well, don't worry serena you'll you'll we'll, we'll get at least one person that'll send an email that says men can tell stories yeah i just said they could <laughs> <laughs> send them my way i'll talk to them <laughs> happens every week <laughs> you know what the other thing i've learned doing this is you absolutely cannot please everyone ever oh no it's literally impossible Never gonna. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, cool. No, I, I appreciate all that. Um, well, cool. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I was curious to hear you speak a little bit about what some of the benefits um, to your personal photography have been from running the Instagram community and now the podcast. Oh, so much. Um, apart from the fact that I was in a bit of sort of a creative funk when we started uh, the podcast, but I've, and the reason why I've just mentioned that whole area of storytelling is I used to sort of, because that's that's the big impact that I've had in this process. So I used to just rock up, oh, look, that looks really pretty. Okay, let's just see, oh, there's, you know, this and that and, oh, there's a great sunset and there, there's a great, let's put it, make sure there's a bit of flow in there and let, let's, let's, snap the, let's snap the shot. Now I, I mean, I went out the other day and I didn't even pull the camera out, which was absolutely unheard of. I just stood there and went, there is nothing here that I want to tell a story about. So I'm now looking at things of what does my foreground tell me? What does my, you know, what is, what am I trying to convey through this photo rather than just a documentation of a pretty sunset or, you know, that. And to me, that's been really the way that I've also taken on how I look at other aspects of my my conversations with people or even even my work as a lawyer, which sounds really random, but it's just changed my focus of, okay, just getting something done to, okay, what's what's the bigger picture here and what, what are we trying to achieve? Um, I'm still working on that with the communication with the teenagers. Um, we'll get back to you on that. But um, <laughs> I've, I've just so recently um, got a new drone, so that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the way that I can – create new things like trying new things like maybe doing some more video work going to other places and that has all come out of these conversations with incredible people and happen to be mm-hmm. women um, who have spoken about their journey or how they approach something or how they try to tell a story and th- that has probably been the biggest impact on me yeah it's huge right I mean oh. I just wait until you've been doing it for like almost five years. I remember, I mean, if you go back and look at my photos before the podcast and then after the podcast, huge difference. And the influence has been from, you know, all the people that I've had on the, on the show, just, you know, helping me rethink about how I approach photography and it's little things, you know, it's like you pick up a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, pick up a little philosophical thing here you think about like a different approach to how you meditate in front of a scene or how you think about telling a story like you're talking about and before you know you have like this massive um, toolbox full of amazing things that you can pull out and use at any given time and it's really fantastic (laughs) and uh, we were talking to Rachel Talibart, that's this this week's one, and and we also ask each person, um, we ask two questions pretty much, the, the standard, same two questions we ask everybody, but other than that, it, it's just generally a, a story flow, like um, pretty much like you do with a conversation. Um, sure. But we ask the t- same two questions of everyone. The first one is, what would you tell yourself or a beginner um, if you were starting out again? Because I've, I've because I feel like I'm that person, I, I, I'm asking that so they can tell me that rather than, you know, um, anyone else. I was a bit selfish. Um, and then the other one is what piece of gear, if you could invent something that you would create? And and we've had some really good answers. But 
one of the uh, what Rachel said um, this week was um, be experience driven, not results driven. And that really resonated with me. So it's, again, like you just said, you pick up all these little things along the way um, and every time I every time I finish an episode, I'll, I'll, I'll go, oh, wow, that's I'm going to really go try that. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And um, and it has, I mean, it's, it's been, we've, we've, we've done 15 episodes, so we're still absolutely in our infancy. But that, just that time alone, I look at how I approached before and how I approach now and they are vastly different. But I kind of hope that people who listen in on the journey as well get those same things and that it's mm-hmm. not just us so I know people listen to the the odd episode and and I, I mean I listen to been listening to you I do lots of walking to and from the city so I listen to podcasts then and I listen to yours but um you know you get something from everyone and I hope that people do that and they go on the journey to do that exploration for themselves um because I think that's where podcasts differ to other f- mediums. Um, you can do a written a written uh, essay on someone or a biography or you can do a film, but film a lot of people are nervous about. They're on camera. They don't, they don't be themselves. Whereas if you've just got someone talking in a conversation, they're far more open up and they're far more able to talk. And I think that's why podcasts are so successful. That. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, so many people are like, how do you do an audio medium and on a visual uh, art art form? Yeah, and it's you know it's just what you're talking about. It's you're you're talking about ideas and you're talking about approaches and you're talking about philosophies and mindsets and things like that. It doesn't require visual stimulus to put yourself in those situations. Yeah, agreed. And, um, but you also, I mean, we, when we were talking to Candace Dye, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the plight of the wolves and the polar bears. Um, and we also were talking about the wolves with, with Victoria Hack, but you know, that will resonate with someone in their local area. What can I do that's going to help my local area or my, my environment? And and what impact do I leave when I go shoot or if I post something, what impact am I having on my footprint? And I think that's the legacy that's the most important part of what we do. Um, And and we get it out of our guests and then we put it into our community. And because podcasts have such a a far-reaching net, um, it can get into every community, whereas a newspaper or a magazine article or whatever really only focuses on that one area. So I think we're really lucky in that respect as well. Yeah, I think that makes that makes total sense. <laughs> well, I want to talk more about your photography because we've you know, <laughs> talked a lot about the podcast and things like that. Um, I you know I've noticed that you often include a lot of elements of the urban environment into your landscapes. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about um, what what your thinking is behind that and, and what that's about. I suppose that's probably more situational. I'm, I live in Sydney and uh, <laughs> it's up to you most of the time. So you've kind of got to. Um, when I can get out, I really like it. But it's a long drive to get to a waterfall or to a bush track or um, – and you know, life is so complicatedly busy with work and, and kids and et cetera. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a long 
take out of life to get to somewhere that's not got that when you're when you're in a big city. Um, so I'm lucky that I live near the coast. Um, so quite a lot of my my work has got the sea or or that sort of element in it, um, and and quite a lot of my aerial work. But um, I think that's more situational than 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 anything else. Um, when I can get away, they certainly don't have that aspect in them. But um, yeah, it's probably not the best answer because it's, it's it's more. No, you're good. I was I was yeah. kind of assuming that was why, but um, yeah, it's, it's okay. I'm it's a bit I'm, yeah, I'm curious um, for for those images though. Are you finding that that kind of or mixture between urban and nature is it is it um, providing you with anything in terms of inspiration for storytelling or like um because i see it i would see it as uh, or i think most landscape photographers might think of it as like a challenge or really they don't like it you know buildings and concrete and stuff but you could also take advantage of it in some ways so I'm curious to hear you talk about that yeah I think you'll find that my future work is going to be far less urban um okay because I do struggle I think that was oh I'm going to turn up and oh look there's the opera house and there's the city and there's some pretty lights and we've got a nice sunset and let's take a photo and I don't find now I look back at that and there's just there to me there is no story in that okay Sydney's beautiful that's a good story or I can take a nice long exposure shot of a good scene you know I'm lucky um but so I look at those and maybe that's the challenge for me is to try and find a new way of looking at those things and trying to find that so thanks that's there's my challenge to take away from here but so I think looking at my work into the future I'm trying to to I'm thinking about more of of what I can do to change that which to me is probably getting out of the city um, and going hiking and, and driving my van into the middle of nowhere and just seeing what happens as opposed to jumping in the car and going down to the harbour. It's interesting, right, because as humans we are part of nature even though it's an uglier side of nature in some ways. But um, I've been enjoying trying to explore some of that relationship between uh, man-made objects and kind of how we like to control nature versus how nature just does its thing. And, and, and there's definitely some contrast between those two things. Well, one of the, so for me, the nearest man-made natural, if that works, object that I can think of is our ocean pools. So if you look at most, oh, sure. you see a lot of ocean pools and we I happen to be um so I'll, I'll use miles but I'm probably a, a mile from three different amazing ocean pools which create for great um handheld and aerial shots but they are man-made because obviously they're but they're in the rock shelf so they're rock pools which are ocean pools and New South Wales is one of the only states in the world that has so many of them I think I can't remember exactly how many but there's there's a lot of them ac- along our coast um and so to me that is an, an amazing um, uh, merger of man-made into what creates something so beautiful in nature. Um, and so that is an urban and there's always – and they're never the same and the, the tides, you know, they're, they're creatively hard but amazing um, because, yeah, you get a bit sick of them but now I love them again. I got sick and now I'm loving them because I couldn't go see them for a while. But um, – yeah, so but because that that whole man-made side to a, a beautiful photo is is hard, um, 
but it's there and you can achieve it. Gotcha. I had one one last little topic I wanted to ask you about, um, and that was more just around kind of your personal strategies for juggling a career as a lawyer with being a mom and, you know, having such a busy life with the podcast and with your Instagram page. Uh, what are your strategies for trying to make it all work while still fulfilling that kind of artistic drive? I have an amazing uh, supportive wife who stands behind me and allows me to get away with a lot more than I normally should. Um, I, I, my photography is normally on my time, so it's it's my family don't wake up early, which helps. So I get up early and I go and and I do that and. And everyone in my world knows that if I've been out shooting, I'm a much nicer person than if I haven't. So um, that way I, I sort of get a little bit of leeway with that. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate in my work that it's my own firm. So um, I'm the boss and so I kind of get to do what I want to do. Um, but having said that, um, being the boss means that uh, everyone's relying upon you for so many different things. So the stress that comes with that, um, I have found the, the more hard that my job has got, the more important my photography has got because it's my anxiety release and it's my, I don't think about anything else. It's, I used to um, um, not have that outlet. So I have found that it's a, it's a really important, like I know people, they do, they go to the yoga and, and you know, that sort of thing and meditation and um, someone, everyone needs to have an outlet. Um, and so I've managed to sort of work all that in. Um, but I also find there's a lot that suffers. So some things aren't done or some things are rushed or I forget things and, um, which isn't always great, but it's, it's a, it's a juggling act. Um, and it's a tiring juggling act, but it's got what you got to do, right? Oh, that's how you make it work though. Yeah. We, we all get there. And, um, uh, it's the, it's the little, it, again, it's the little things that keep you going. It's the little messages. It's the, you know, it's the, um, the impact that you have. Um, and it's the, those things that really keep you doing this, um, because we are making a difference and we are helping people and we are teaching people and we are promoting people and we're celebrating people. And I think that's the most important thing. Brilliant. It's funny. Obviously, this is a little bit of a um, generalization, but I've, I've found that behind most of the world's successful photographers is a really supportive uh, spouse or, or, or partner, you know. In fact, um, if you and they're kind of like unsung heroes. They are. And, and if you actually talk about most successful people, regardless of whether they're a photog- photographer or anybody, there's normally um, someone that's very supportive behind them, um, whether it's even if they're younger, whether it's their parents or whether it's a sibling or someone, but um, or as, a, as an old, you know, as a someone of our generation, um, I think I'm a bit, fair bit older than you, but um, that, that's our partners. And I think that's, <laughs> um, I think that's a really important part of, because um, if you, if I suppose it's the drive, but it's also um, getting so much done. You've, you've got to have that. And I mean, I look at people who are single and um, they seem to have so much more fun than, than I do because they're <laughs> doing whatever they want and they don't have to ask anyone and, and all that sort of stuff. But 
there's also, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like you're right. I feel like those that are really successful have really good support network behind them. Right. It doesn't have to be a spouse or a partner, but yeah, it helps to have a, you know, people that you can rely on for that emotional support and also just, you know, you know, or just supportive of, of you doing your thing. You know? Yeah. Like my wife doesn't really care about photography a whole lot, but she knows it's really important for me and she lets me go do it and that's all that matters. So. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. again, they want us to be happy. They want us to yeah. be um and so just like, you know, mine, mine loves tap dancing. Um, I'm the, like the least uh, coordinated human being on the earth. So there's no way that I could tap dance, but I know how important that is. So um, I think, you know, nothing ever comes in on a Friday night because it's tap dancing night. So I know if I want to do something, I'm on my own. And so it's just that kind of um, that thing where we've got to allow our partners to thrive in what they love. Otherwise, they're not going to be the best for themselves or the partner. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I'm, same, I'm the same way. My wife, she's like, you want to go do this? And if even if it's something I'm not super into, I know she is. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. You know, I think that's important. Awesome. Yes. Well, Wrapping things up, I'd be um, curious if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your mentorship program. Well, this is new. Um, so we, we thought we would um, bring it out for next year um, and we wanted to encourage some young girls to pick up cameras or to, to learn. So we've um, thrown it open um for anywhere from 12 to 18 uh, years old, although we can we can look at those ages because we'll, we're seeing what, what comes in, um, where they get to spend some time with us in person if they're locally or if they're around the world with us um, online um, and, you know, doing work and talking and helping us out with, with InFocus Women and, and just um, getting some support around the work that they want to do or learning. Um, and, and I want to stretch that out into the Philippines. I'm I haven't been able to get there, but when next time I'm up there, I'm going to try and find a way of um, getting some young girls with cameras in their hands to try and get them out shooting because um, I think that's a really important process. But that's step two. Step one is um, is, is is now. So, yeah, that's that's um, available on our website. So anyone from around the world can can do it. If anyone's got a daughter that they think would benefit from that, then um, that's um, it's not closing. It's just, you know, we'll, we'll take it as it comes and see what happens. It's a new thing um, and we're pretty excited about it. We think that's the next step of making a bit of a difference. I love it. Yeah, it's <clears throat> one thing I was talking with somebody else about earlier this week is one of the things that keeps me going and also I feel like kind of, keeps me in a positive frame of mind is having your photography or the things you do around photography focus in on helping other people or, or helping out a cause. I think it it can really help shake off a lot of that negativity that we have coming around us with social media and all the things we were complaining about earlier in the podcast. I think if you can focus on just helping others, I think it really can do a world of difference in terms of your attitude and and I think it comes back to you as well, you know. I, I think it does. And I think it comes back to, I mean, where we feel like we make a difference. It's not we don't help people get better jobs or husbands or wives or all that sort of stuff. But where we feel we, is we feel we make 
people feel good about themselves in their talent and their ability. And then that usually leads on that's a, it, it rolls snowballs and it rolls into how they then feel about other parts. Um, and, and that to me is, is such a great, I know what photography does for me and I know what it does for a lot of other people. So getting that into, into people is, and how they feel about that. I feel like it does change lives. Awesome. All right, Serena. Well, who would you recommend, uh, for the podcast? Who, who do our listeners need to know about? Well, um, you asked me that before and I gave you three men's names, which occurred to me was an absolute blight on everything that we've just discussed, right? (laughs) So I have changed it. So um, you may well know them or not know them, um, but I am going to say David Rogers. So that is, he's he's an Australian photographer down on the Sapphire Coast. He's uh, got an incredible story and I highly recommend uh, if people don't look at his or know him, look look him up, Davy Rogers on Instagram. Um, but he's got a, a fantastic story of basically throwing everything in and pretend, you know, pretending to no taking on professional photography and and doing a lot for the environment and the community around where he lives through quite a lot of significant bushfires and all that sort of stuff. And the in in Australia, we've got, had a few of those recently. Um, now, I know you've probably heard of, but um, Serena Zenis out of Iceland. So just yep. uh, have you spoken to Serena before? Um, I actually uh, sent her a DM on Instagram. I haven't heard back yet, but yeah. Well, she's she's Australian, so she's an Australian that moved to Iceland. And, I mean, there's not many Australians that moved to Iceland, so <laughs> she's a great right. story. And an incredible photographer. Out, there's a lot of amazing female photographers out of New Zealand, but one that's probably not as high profile but is, 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 is Laurie Winter. Um, she has just got the most incredible portfolio and just such beautiful work. And whenever I need some inspiration, I mean, we talked about Victoria hack before I think um she, she I look at I look I go look at Victoria's work uh, I look at Serena's work because it's very different um I look at Laurie's work I mean obviously Steph Vella who I do the podcast with um but yeah so I, I gave you a whole lot of male names I said I can't do that I I have to I have to be what I believe in and and there you go so that's totally fair <laughs> <laughs> I had to slap myself later for that but that's all right uh, Well, this has been a lot of fun, Serena. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Matt, for the opportunity of coming and talking about how much better women are than men. Oh, what a controversial way to end. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, thanks to Serena for joining me on the podcast this week and for all of the work that you're doing to elevate your peers in landscape photography. It's great to see others take on this important role in our community, so keep up the awesome work with the show. I also wanted to remind listeners of the great opportunity you have to save money on a fantastic resource to help your photography journey, which is Nature Photographers Network. NPN is the internet's premier landscape and nature photographers website and community, and it's chock full of articles and engaging forums dedicated to our craft and art form. NPN is now offering podcast listeners a free 30-day trial to the platform, plus 20% off their first year of membership. Just head over to naturephotographers.network forward slash f-stop or find a link in the show notes to get started with your free trial. Again, that's naturephotographers.network forward slash f-stop. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, 
and listening. See you next week.